MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the Executive Vice President of Membership and Industry Leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now. Welcome to the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. In this episode, we have a special treat for you. Joining us today are two members of the Protective Guarding Manufacturers Association. Mike Redgowski, Senior Relationship Manager with Bowplan USA, and Randy Johnson, Vice President with Industrial Netting Incorporated. These experts will be sharing their insights on how to effectively protect your products and equipment in a warehouse environment. Whether you're a warehouse manager, a logistics professional, or simply interested in improving your facility safety, this episode has something for you. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from the best in the business. Let's get started. So gentlemen, welcome. What inspired you to join the Protective Guarding Manufacturers Association and work in the industry of protective guarding? We'll start with you, Mike. Uh, thank you, Christian. Um, what inspired me was actually uh, a little bit of a need. Um, and, and, and I came from a very different background. I uh, owned distribution uh, for one of the largest paintball manufacturers in the world. And I had a warehouse full of uh, stuff that was getting banged up, you know, lost product, um, just lot downtime. And I honestly, uh, it took me a long time to figure out what I was, what I needed in order to, to prevent that from happening. And there wasn't a lot of resource out there. And so in doing so, uh, it led me to, to my current situation and, and a member of, uh, of pro GMA and, and, and all of these things. So it was a definite need and I wanted to have the ability to affect change, right. Um, change their education. And so that's that's kind of the goal of my goal in all of this for the last uh, five years. I've been with with Bowplan and uh, um, done some incredible things and met some incredible people and and hopefully educated and, and uh, made some change. And Randy, what what inspired you? Um, well, it it started with uh, when I joined Industrial Netting five years ago. They were already a member, uh, and the. Uh, company, the person that I replaced was one of the founding members of the pro GMA, one of the founding companies. So originally industrial netting was a member of MHI and they saw a need for warehouse safety in general. And so a number of, of companies got together and started the pro GMA group within MHI. And by default, when I took over for his job, I became involved in the organization as well. So it started with us as a company from a customer requesting some information on how to protect product within a warehouse using our products. Gotcha. And did you come from a similar industry before? I did not. I came from the plastics industry and it's a long story, but the the company I worked for in the 90s actually is one of the key suppliers to industrial netting. So there's a, uh, some nepotism going on through the, the sales side of things, <laughs> for lack of a better word, I guess. Right. So can you, uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Can you walk us through the process of selecting the right protective guarding products for a warehouse environment? Sure. Um, that's, that's a great question. And, and it's one that uh, isn't exactly clear. So I, I, 
the first question I believe we have to ask ourselves is, is what's the intent of the product? What are we really trying to do here? Um, a lot of times we get lost with the myriad of different products that are on the market um, as to very simply, what are we trying to do? Right? Are we trying to keep things from falling? Uh, in the in the case of Randy and netting, I'm assuming it's you know stuff falling off of racks. You know what is what are we trying to do? Are we trying to keep people out of a out of a forklift path? Are we keeping forklifts from banging into conveyance or or machinery or different things? And then we find kind of the right product. Do we need a barrier? Do we need a net? Do we need a handrail? What do we need? And then from there we start to build onto well, what what are our likes? What do we want to have it have happen once we understand that it it fits the initial need i guess is that it, and then from there um you have to understand what's hitting it um what you're actually trying to protect and then the functionality why is it getting hit um the difference between protecting a um uh, an office wall per se versus a piece of conveyance where um forklifts are picking up pallets all day long every day is has a very different need this, the function of the of the of the railing is going to be the same, but the number of times it's impacted and the function of it are going to differ by by application. Gotcha, Randy. What what do you have to add to that? Well, I I, I would agree um, with Mike. the The way we approach when we get a, when we get approached by customers is to look exactly at that. What are you trying to accomplish? Are you protecting people? Are you protecting product? Are you protecting environment? Um, and by that definition, we'll get you to what type of products do you need to select? Do you need to look at, at, uh, ballards? Do you need to look at netting? Do you need to look at, um, uh, retention or fall protection for both product or people just in general, what is the need that the, the customer is trying to accomplish within their warehouse setting? So Mike, you, you had put some in your notes, uh, kind of, alluding to like as a line and, uh, you know, a tape and sign, you know, is that sufficient in some cases or in all cases? And how do you know when it's sufficient, when it's not? Sure. So that's going to be the difference between, well, we're jumping kind of into the safety world here a little bit, right? Um, That's the difference between what's called uh, administrative controls and engineered controls. So an administrative control is just that it's a, it's a line on the floor. It's a guideline. It's a sign on the wall. And then it's up to the associate um, to whether they're going to adhere to these administrative controls or not. And then your engineer controls are obviously physical barriers and, and whatnot. Um, and and I think the the big question there is is I guess how much how much, for lack of a better word, liability does the company want to assume, right? And so I, I hate to put it in that term, but that's kind of what it is, right? If we want to. If we want to say, hey, we put a sign up and a line on the floor, you know, and we have people exiting uh, office doors all day long into a forklift path, it takes one person to be on their phone, reading an email, not paying attention, bad timing, boom, right? Or we can have an, an engineered control where we have a handrail there at minimum that prevents them from walking in front of of the um, of the forklift or, or a tug or whatever pit, uh, piece of pit. And so... I guess the question that you have to ask yourself is case by case is a sign enough to deter an accident or do I need to put something there that is going to prevent them from harming themselves? If that makes any sense at all. Randy, anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I, and I agree with with Mike. the The overall umbrella that everybody's looking at is is the OSHA standards that are out there, and what do you need to protect people, company uh, assets, and you know limit your exposure to liability. Most companies are going to do far more than is required just because of their overall. Um, they're all overall concerned for their employees because nobody, nobody wants an accident. That's first and foremost. And as Mike said, it, it comes down to what, where in your plant are the touch points where you're going to have interaction of safety concerns? Is there a person going to be walking out in front of a forklift? Is there a package that could fall off of a rack while a, uh, a forklift operator is approaching it from one side? Is there a walkway on the backside that you need to protect? Do you need to stop your forklifts from driving uh, in areas that are purely for pedestrian uh, that type of thing. So it really comes down to what can you do to create the most, the least liable situation in your warehouse, I guess, for lack, I, I, I don't know how to ex- best express that, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. how, how do you make it safe for everyone yet practical and cost efficient? I mean, it's, it still comes down to dollars and cents, but um, I know from our internal safety, we're looking at everything. We just assume people are going to to step into a situation and, and expose themselves. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do that can be, this is foolproof. That's been proven false over and over again, when it comes to equipment, people, uh, tooling, whatever you're doing, whatever you're working with, people will figure out a way to, to go around whatever safety features you have in. So you have to be smarter than, than the average employee at that point in time. Why is why is common sense so uncommon? Go ahead, correct. Mike. <laughs> and, and the and the unfortunate truth is is a lot of times um, when we're speaking about safety, as long as we're in this realm, um, the unfortunate truth is a lot of times it's not it's not funded up front. It's not it's in the forefront. It's something that we do after an accident to mitigate. Um, you know, uh, the, the, I don't want to necessarily just say the cost, but to mitigate exposure, all the different things that a company has when, um, a lot of times, and there's a lot of, uh, statistical data that'll support this, that the initial investment up front of, of safety and, and protective barriers and, and netting and all the, all the different things that we're talking about is actually less expensive over the long haul than exposing yourself to the injuries. And so it's, it's a, one of the things that, that I'm doing and I'm going on this Thank you for for the podcast, but I'm going on a speaking tour. It seems like, and I'm doing all these uh, these um, these talks about basically the immense a mentality shift from something that we do to mitigate after an accident to something that we get to do to ensure the safety, the safety not only physical but mental well being of of our associates. And if we can get over that mental hurdle, I think there's a there's a a, a lot of benefit to that. So what are some of the common challenges that warehouse professionals face when it comes to protecting products, say and equipment, you know, more, you know, off of the safety topic, more on the protection of the product and, and the equipment in the facility and how can those be addressed? Well, I, I, the one thing that the pro GMA has done is we've focused in on what we call as our product safety checklist. And so through all of our members, we all touch different parts of the warehouse which allows us to bring our expertise to to the group. And so if someone is looking at their warehouse saying, I'm brand new in this, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, where can I go for a resource? The ProGMA's goal is to create a safe environment and we've created a checklist where all the members have kind of gotten together 
and well, they have gotten together and created uh, situations where, okay, around your loading docks, this is what you think about. Along your equipment, here's what you think about. Around forklifts, this, these are things to, to consider. And so it helps the, the warehouse manager and the, and the company to go through uh, with the knowledge of, of what we've already learned uh, and look at their warehouse. Hey, I, I've got boxes only. I don't have any equipment, so I should focus in this area. Or I've got equipment being um, used while at the same time I have a warehousing situation. So we have integration between those two. Mike? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to echo again. It's it's about resource and, and uh, utilizing your resources and resource allocation. And then I think one of the big things is uh, for someone new, like you said, the resource of, of uh, ProGMA and, and MHI and, and all of the resources that are out there, coming up with a comprehensive plan, an, an overarching plan as to, because at the end of the day, product and equipment safety is or protection is people protection because when those fail, that's an opportunity for, for uh, injury as well. And so um, not just the loss of product and, and, and obviously the replacement cost of equipment, but also the, the people that are around, around that. And so if you can incorporate one overarching um, plan and then slowly and, and methodically implement, I think that's going to be uh, the best approach. And then obviously education is at the core of that. So how critical is the, the, the layout of the flow of a warehouse when creating a safe environment or, you know, trying to protect your, your equipment, you know, and, and is it, you know, is it easy to do in an, an existing facility or is it easier to do in a new facility, a greenfield, Randy? I think it's very important, but I, I think um, there's probably some intuitive flow that's already been created in an existing facility. So then it becomes a matter of just looking at where are your, what I call pinch points, where are there opportunities for safety to be compromised? And then in a new warehouse facility, you're just, you know, you've got a blank slate. So again, looking at how is your product getting from the, from the truck all the way through your process and system, and then back into a truck to be shipped out and really looking at how do you make sure that at each interaction of product and people, you've identified any safety uh, concerns that may be there. Mike? Absolutely. I'm going to be an advocate to anybody out there, especially Greenfield and you're and you're, and you're building this stuff. Um, your engineers, your design engineers, a lot of times um, they're, they're very, very good at what they do, but they look at their scope, which is how do I fit the most stuff in the most economical way into a, into a building and a lot of times they don't necessarily take a look at, um, as Randy alluded to, the, the product flow. How are the materials coming in? How many times are they being touched, move, being moved around? And then also, how are these associates getting through the facility? And so a lot of times that's kind of overlooked on these on these greenfields. Um, and uh, I work heavily in that, in that space. And a lot of times, uh, the earlier we can get in and we can take these considerations in and we can design a lot of the pinch points out. If, if you consult somebody that's been doing this, that understands the workflow um, and, and you can definitely, not that you're going to change the entire layout of the facility, but we can mitigate a whole heck of a lot just by design. Yeah. In a previous episode, we touched, uh, touched on a little bit how it's a much lower cost or, or less expensive to implement in a greenfield than to go back in and retrofit 
you know, protective guarding on your equipment or, you know, to protect your equipment or protect your people. Right. So, um, but uh, yeah, so that Greenfield having those considerations and having the right people involved, who would be that, how would you recommend uh, making sure that those uh, people are involved in the process? Who would those be in an organization or independent? Like what resources would you guys recommend to bring for someone to bring in to make those recommendations? I would bring it. I would actually recommend them speaking to the people that do it every day. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was in a, in a, uh, in a facility. It was a brand new build. It was a fully automated um, warehouse. And so um, they wanted, they only had um, probably, I want to call it, let's call it 300 associates in the entire, in the entire facility. And 70% of those worked in what's called the value add area. And so, which was, all the way in the back corner on a second floor in the facility. So everything is moving around them and the person, and I'm called in after the fact and, and we're designing and, and we're helping, you know, with the, uh, the operations managers and the safety managers to, to figure out how we're going to get, you know, the, all of these associates, 210 associates times three shifts um, across the, the entire facility and up these stairs to get to where they need to be. And it, and the, the very simple was if they he was like if they would have just talked to me I could have told him, right? If they would have talked to me we would have told him. And I think a lot of times because it's so segmented and I understand it's business but it's so segmented a lot of times we don't talk to the people that are actually doing it that understand that are at the ground floor that can tell you very simply hey this is what we have to do. And so the more people we can get involved uh, from the ground up and then uh, on the outside. Um, talk, talk to the people that, uh, that are doing the railing, talk to, you know, that they're your, you know, you've chosen your, your, your protective equipment, talk to those people. We're in, I'm at the intersection, especially because of the, the, the technological advantage of the company of the products that we sell. I'm at the intersection of maintenance operations and safety. I'm talking to those people all the time. I leverage the fact that I have hundreds of interactions a year. Right, that puts me in a very unique position to be able to to offer insight, mm-hmm. and so not just myself, but I'm sure Randy has it. We all we all have these these insights. So leverage those insights so that we can definitely you know start designing a little bit better. Perfect, Randy. Yeah, and I think uh, you know to dovetail on that, every company has a safety committee, and I think in the last few years that has moved up in prominence in that they are having those safety committees be filled with more than just somebody from HR and somebody from the, from production. There are plant people, there are shipping people, there are, there are office people that are involved on these committees, just to give you the perspective that Mike has been talking about. How do you, how can you look at something uh, without blinders on unless you haven't looked at it before? And so if you've got somebody who's totally involved in a situation, it does, it does a lot of good to have somebody come in and just give it a fresh look. Some of their ideas may be totally off the wall, but you know, there may be some uh, validity in what they're trying to say or how they're trying to say it. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of smaller companies that maybe don't have that today don't have that committee that need to really be thinking about, you know, implementing that and giving them the authority and ability and budget to, uh, to take care of safety issues. But yeah, to your point, I think that that's a great place to start. Um, Mike, since you kind of brought it up, I'm going to start with Randy, but 
you know, talking about your expertise and, and, and I'm going to give you each kind of a chance to really talk about really what you guys do specifically. Um, can you tell us, Randy, about the role that industrial netting plays in protecting products and equipment in a warehouse environment? So what we do is we supply a product that can be used on racks to guard both products from falling and products uh, from being uh, basically products from falling and people from from going into spots that they don't guarding um, netting under um, under conveyors um, delineation netting that type of thing. Um, so our product is pretty. Uh, pretty simple and pretty basic in this in this industry. It's we're kind of a a, a one horse pony when it comes to to these types of of products, but they're also very valid. And and the reason we got involved in this industry is is uh, a company came to us because they were having issues with products falling off the racks, and that's how we got involved in the product line to begin with, and and kind of mushroomed into being involved in MHI. So our products really are used to protect um, the warehousing environment. So on racking, as well as on rails, you can use it to supplement rail guarding. If you need uh, to keep something from getting kicked off a rail, you can attach it to a rail uh, and then it keeps smaller objects from going through. So that's, that's really where our product comes into play. Yeah, I've seen how critical on 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 conveyors and curves on elevated conveyor uh, how it can be. I had witnessed, and I talked about this on a previous episode in a computer facility. What back when they were doing CRT computers with with desktops, uh, there was a collision in a corner where one got bound up, two or three more hit it, and it was a fast moving conveyor. It's probably in the five hundred feet per minute, uh, and they kind of piled up and then fell off about three stories down to the floor with, in an area where people could have been standing. And I kind of pointed it and I said, I don't think that's supposed to happen. And their maintenance people who were with me started running and hitting e-stop, shutting everything down as they could. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I witnessed firsthand how important, you know, netting on, on uh, some of those critical areas and over, over top where people in, in Back in the day, those CRTs, that was probably a 50-pound, 60-pound box that fell uh, fell down. So, um, Mike, how does fall and collision protective contribute to our overall safety in a, in a warehouse setting or protecting equipment? And, you know, what, what are some of the things that you, insights you have? Um, yeah, so obviously, and, and this is the, the, the super obvious, right? Um, People are our most are our most valued assets, so we want to protect them. That you know, in, in every in every step of the of the process. But then you look at your obviously your expensive equipment and different things like that, and no one wants to have a, a you know a couple million dollar machine go down because of some type of collision. But a lot of times, um, the biggest value that that we bring in, which is going to be a physical delineation um, and and impact protection. Uh, is is kind of our bread and butter, handrails, guardrails, and then all the specialty items around that to height and different things. But a lot of times people don't take into account, I'll give you, you mentioned conveyance in this conveyor, right? A lot of times on the outside of your building, you're, it's coming out off on, on conveyance. If that conveyance gets hit and is down, well, the, a number of doors on your output side are down for however long that conveyance is down. And it bottlenecks all the way back into the entire facility. 
right? And so something as simple as a barrier in front of the conveyance where it's getting picked up so that that piece of conveyance doesn't go down can have ramifications, financial and, and, and efficiency otherwise, and otherwise all the way back to the entire chain if this is a manufacturing facility. And so sometimes it's, we, it's lost there. And so that's where we kind of really, um, we, we come in and, and I don't want to turn this into an ad, but the specialty, uh, uh, the, our specialty is being able to get hit over and over and over again by utilizing a new technology in, in the space and um, solving the act and solving the problem, I guess, if you will. But um, you can have peace of mind that your pallet wrappers aren't going to go down, right? If you can't wrap the pallets, you can't send them out. And more times than not, you know, those suckers are running all day long, all day long, all day long. And so, you know, protecting those, protecting that conveyance, um, protecting a piece of overhead conveyance, right, from a, in, in a forklift path. Those, those type of things are commonly overlooked in the, in the big scheme of, of, um, of manufacturing and distribution, but they're critical. They're, they're process critical pieces. And, and, and to get something in front of it um, prior to it being a problem, I think is, uh, is requisite. Yeah. And you, re- you went right into my next question, Mike, which was how can you give examples of how protective guarding can help improve the efficiency and productivity of a warehouse operation? And you, and you already started doing that. So I don't know how you did it because I'm not sharing that, <laughs> but uh, Randy, do you have examples of, of, of ways that, uh, that, that guarding and netting and uh, other devices can uh, improve the efficiency and product productivity? By definition, just, as Mike stated, delineating a path that they have to follow. So if you put up guarding around your your racks and you put up guarding around your production areas and you have a delineation on your lanes and you have um, uh, sight lines, that sort of things, um, just to keep your people in a productive sense and a safe environment, um, long-term, is it, it creates a, a flow of your work through the warehouse, uh, as well as protecting the facilities and allowing you to keep pulling product and not repairing something because somebody drove into it with a forklift or, or the boxes fell off the back of the rack. So now you've got to have personnel back there cleaning up the raw materials to get them to the production line. So it, it all kind of goes hand in, in hand with, with the efficiency of your operation is how quickly can you get your product from point A to point B? and efficiently get it there to, to allow your production to proceed. Excellent. Um, so what other resources, as we wrap up, uh, you know, what other resources can you point somebody who's trying to implement, uh, you know, kind of a protection campaign in their, in their operation? Uh, what other resources ProGMA have? You talked about the checklist. There's other resources on mhi.org slash pro GMA. Is there anything else you guys can identify, Randy? Well, I, I think the, the key resource is just knowing that there are resources out there mm-hmm. and the pro GMA is, is very good at, at opening up different aspects of your warehouse that you need to look at as well as identifying where problems have occurred in the past. And I think history is, has a way of repeating itself. So you should learn from that. Uh, and you can do that with your, with your, you know, pro GMA website and the, and the member companies that are there um, and the products that they sell and, and the resources are 
uh, the people within those organizations that you can call up and say, hey, here's a situation I'm looking at. What can you help me with? Or do you have any, you know, any uh, suggestions on what I can do? Mike? Yeah, I'd like to echo off of what Randy said. Obviously, the, the, the groups that make up ProGMA and the companies and individuals that make up ProGMA, um, we all have a vested interest in, in exactly what they're trying to accomplish, right? For one of a couple of reasons. One, obviously, it's what we sell. But two, right, we want to create an environment where it, it, a safe environment. That's, that's our goal. And so to, to um, education and research, resource utilization. So um, go and talk to somebody that, that kind of has been in that space that knows. Reach out to one of the companies on ProGMA. Reach out to, you know, to um, uh, Industrial Netting. Reach out to Bowplan. Reach out to whomever's out there that, uh, that you can. And understand, guys, this is the, these are the problems that we solve every day. And so as such, not only do we know how to solve our particular set of problems, but we work with people that solve all of your problems. And so we'll be able to, to, rep, to, to, to uh, refer you. We'll be able to give you a lot of, of information that is not necessarily out there because uh, one of the things that I think ProGMA is really trying to tackle is the amount of information and how do you, how, where do you start? How do you get there? Where, you know, what does it even look like? And so you can go on in one website and they say, we have the strongest thing ever. And you go on another website and say, we have the strongest thing ever. And you're like, okay, well, what's the standard? What, is, what are we trying to, who's, who's actually doing what and what is the right tool for the job, right? And a lot of times it's not misinformation, but everyone wants to present themselves as, as the best, right? And so you need to get to, to an insider of some sort and, and really start to pick their brain um, and a great place to start is the resources um, uh, there and the companies and, and individuals that are involved, because, again, we all have a stated goal of, of safety and, and protection. Yeah, Randy, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I just I wanted to add the, the credibility factor. And Mike, Mike referred to that very well. Um, it's my interest to help you create a safe environment whether that's with my product or somebody else that I know within our organization. Because if you don't have a successful outcome, I'm not going to get a good referral and or another sale. So I think the ProGMA does a good job of making sure member companies are number one, credible, but also looking out for the best interests of the of the industry, not just ourselves. I mean, we, I have competitors that are in the pro GMA and if I think my product isn't the best product, I will refer you to them because I know that they will be successful and they're doing the same thing. So I think yeah. that's one of the positives of, of the credibility factor that you get when you call an organization like MHI and specifically the, the pro GMA group within MHI. Excellent. Yeah. A couple other things I want to mention is that there is a warehouse safety blog that the ergonomic assist systems and equipment uh, industry group, along with the pro GMA protective guarding manufacturers uh, produced together. So it's uh, so you can look up the warehouse safety blog. You can find that on MHI.org. Uh, and then also I encourage everybody who is interested in, in protective guarding to go into the pro GMA site and click on the membership tab and just see who who the members are that uh, participate in the group um and and today that's a wrap so thank you all for joining the mhi industry leadership podcast we hope you've enjoyed hearing from mike radgowski and randy johnson as they shared their insights on protecting products and equipment in a warehouse environment 
We want to thank our guests for taking the time to join us today and for their valuable contributions to the industry. If you're interested in learning more about the protective guarding and the work of the Protective Guarding Manufacturers Association, be sure to visit their website at mhi.org slash progma. You'll find a wealth of information and resources that will help you stay up to date with the latest developments in the industry. We appreciate your support and look forward to bringing you more great content in the future. Until next time, stay safe and keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible in the material handling and logistics. Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the industry forward. Thank you.